and welcome to another Movie Mastery. I am John. Over there is Jeff. Hello. This week we've got a super special surprise for you. It is the classic, the Neil Breen classic, Fateful Findings. First of all, John, all Neil Breen movies are classics. Well, I mean, yes, obviously. His entire canon is worthy of celebration. But I think... I think our fans are really going to feel the resonance with this one. I think this is, I mean, given they're all great, but I think this is his definitive work. I, I feel like, uh, who, I forget who they are, just Pat R. Har and a few other people on the Reddit that are editing the Movie Mastery list for us. And again, guys, thanks so much for doing that. I think they hate us because uh, for, for a long time, it was just one of the numbers on the huge list was any Neil Breen movie. <laughs> and last time I checked, now all four or three or whatever his movies have individual spots increasing our Neil Breen chances. Oh, uh, no. More <laughs> Neil Breen. I don't know if I can watch more Neil Breen. I've seen two of these now. That is very unfortunate for everyone involved. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Neil Breen makes movies... Uh, the way that a five-year-old draws pictures, which is just he puts whatever he wants on there and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it, watching a Neil Breen, Breen movie is like listening to your very little sister tell a joke. Yeah. Where she's just like, why did the tomato go to the store with the dinosaur? I don't know why. Because mustaches are on Santa. <laughs> yeah, there you are. That is a Neil Breen movie. <laughs> Pretty much. This this movie watches like you are dreaming. Like, the scenes just don't have transitions. Things will just end and begin. And sometimes the ending and beginning will be the exact same place with the same characters. Mm-hmm. But now they're completely different emotionally and do not reference things that just happened. Well, no one ever references anything that just happened. I mean, it's just... It's the weird thing is there are multiple points throughout this movie where where Breen's character, who I think was named Danny or something like that, something I'm just gonna call him Neil Breen. I don't care. Yeah, uh, where Neil Breen's character would say, uh, like I'm a crazy thing and I'm I'm saying something insane and weird, and the other person would just be like, I like pills. In response, like he could say, he, there's one point where he's like, no one can kill or touch me, and his wife was just like, we never talk anymore. Yeah, the. The writing in this movie feels like every character wrote their own dialogue separate from everyone else uh-huh. because everyone has a storyline that they are attempting to do and none of it feels like it has anything to do with what anyone else is saying or doing. Yeah, no, it's seriously, it's like he just had multiple people doing monologues all at the same time and he was like, you know what's good enough is this. Yeah, it was like, okay, I have a, I have my own storyline and my storyline is going to be that I'm I'm addicted to pills, and I'm in a weird, loveless relationship. And he's like, great. And as your husband, our storyline is we love each other a whole lot, and uh, I'm a super hacker novelist. And you're like, what? Meanwhile, there's a whole other couple, and one of them's like, hey, man, I, I just want to have sex, but I'm mad about it, so I work on my car. And the other one is like, I was tired at the office. Yeah. I just It's so weird, the amount of... Like, you feel like there should be some sort of cross-section here between the the different people, and it's just, I'm going to tell you a thing. I am not going to react to that. Yep, pretty much. So, I, I mean... Now, you, you saw another one. What was the one that you saw? 
Uh, I forget the name of it. I I can only remember the names of a couple of these at a time. Hell, I forgot the name of this one today. Oh, I had to look it up before we started this because I was like, the fuck was this? Fatal, fatal frame? So before people start sending me a million emails, I'm going to venture a guess that I believe it was called Double Down. Oh, yes. Okay. I kept thinking it was Double Trouble, but no, that's yeah. that's like Steven Seagal or something. So, so it, it may be a different Neil Breen movie, in which case it's just the Double Down's the one whose name is in my head. In that one, he is a computer hacker again. Uh, he's operating out of a shitty car in the middle of the desert, and the movie is just a bunch of repeated shots of him eating tuna fish off a pallet of cans of tuna fish, using five different turned-off laptops and cell phones to hack world governments and have long conversations with nobody where they keep telling him that he's great. Yeah, well, that's going to be basically also this film. Yeah, yeah, there's very the only difference is that this film has more characters in it. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, the uh well, we will we'll be back in a moment to talk more about this, but let me just let me just advise you. You know, if you're the type of person that normally watches one of these and then listens to it so you can follow along, don't just don't. It's <laughs> it is it's uh it's real weird, and you it's, don't need to see it. It is completely not worth your time. No, I mean, a lot of people really like the whole Birdemic the Room type thing. Yeah, I, it, I'm not a huge fan of mo- the so bad it's good movie genre, especially because every one of those directors is, na- is now on board with the joke. Yeah, well, you have to. If you made a, a movie that got cult standing, you have to now be like, Yes, that is what I meant all along. Please laugh along with my bad movie. I will totally make The Room 2 if you want. It will be exactly as weird and outsider created as the original. Oh, wait, no, it won't. That is impossible. It was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, all of these that become these strange cult classics are because you had a creator that was really bad at what they were doing. In a lack of control. And, and, well, they just like, well, I'm funding this, and so I'm going to do whatever I want. Exactly. Because eventually, like, that Birdemic guy partnered up with, like, Netflix. It was um, Rift Tracks or something. And they funded his second Birdemic movie. Yeah. And so it's like watching Sharknado 2 now. It's all just references to the first one and, and bad jokes about the first one all the way through it. Yeah. It's just, you can't catch that lightning in a bottle twice. No. So, well, at least so far, it seems like Neil Breen has managed to evade Hollywood access yeah no one has quite given neil breen the large cult standing that these other movies have yeah or the million dollars when they feel like oh man you've made a bunch of movies that people give a shit about here's four million dollars to make your next one make sure it's extra weird also ian Ziering's gonna be in it (laughs) also we've got another guy who's gonna help you direct it yeah yeah it's gonna be look at this paul Shear is here to help you punch it up (laughs) uh so yeah we will be right back with more Fateful findings? Fateful, fatal fury. Yeah, more, more fatal attraction. More Fantastic Four coming up next. And we are back. Reluctantly. Crouched at at the the starting starting line. line. (laughs) (laughs) Is that just one of those words you can't can't just use the word reluctantly anymore? You can't stop after. You go reluctantly, and then you just stop. People are going to be like, crouched at the starting line. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) 
Also, you can't just say, it's been. <laughs> yeah, it's been. <laughs> All right, so, so God, this, how do we, how do okay. you even? So, this is a movie that starts and ends, and there we are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, folks. Enjoy. And we're done. No, the, the movie starts out feeling like it's going to be one of those, like, uh, childhood discovery type movies because it's two kids playing in the forest and then they find a mushroom that disappears and is replaced by a little box with a rock and some gems in it. Yeah, it's like a square black stone in there. Yeah. And nearby are weird little gem rocks. Yeah, they're not even in the box. They're just scattered around to these little gem rocks. So... It's these two kids walking through a forest, or not even a forest, like a Southern California park. Oh, yeah. It's just like, hey, we're in a clearing somewhere, and here are a couple trees. And also, as they're walking around, a cigarette smoke exhalation goes flying across the screen. It's supposed to be like a ghost or something. Well, it's, I think that's from... Because it doesn't show up until they, the magic mushroom. Yeah. The mushroom disappears, and the box shows up, and then it kind of cuts to a shot of some forest, and... A weird white smoke thing goes by. The smoke is very clearly an exhalation from a cigarette smoke, from a cigarette, like a little puff of cigarette smoke that's been isolated and turned into a little ghost. Yeah, someone someone was vaping real hard, and then uh, that got turned into a ghost. Yeah, they were steam engineing real good. But the weird thing is, this will have no bearing on this movie. Like when when they <sighs> first open the box and you get the ghost thing, I'm like. Oh, they they unleashed some spirit, and there's going to be some weird thing. It doesn't matter. Well, okay, here's what happens. They unleash the box, they take the little rock out, and they say something like, we can't just not, we can't take this thing out of the box without putting something in the box. Yeah, we have to leave something behind. Those are the rules. So they leave behind some, like, dirt and sticks and things, and they put those in the box. Well, it's, it's the little gem things. They the, put the girl, a few of those in there. And then the girl takes the rest of the gems, because she goes, I'll make a bracelet. Yeah. And so the boy gets the rock, and the girl, and their names, by the way, are Dylan and Leah. Yeah. Um, the the boy gets the rock, and the girl gets the little gemstones that she. I guess she's going to drill out and make make a necklace. Or yeah. A I don't. I don't know how this little girl is planning to make a bracelet out of these little stones, but whatever. You know, it's possible. It, maybe her, maybe her dad's a gemstone cutter or something. And maybe could be. Um, but she takes out her journal, <laughs> uh, her empty journal. There's nothing else in this journal. She opens it up to a random empty page in the middle of the random empty, empty journal. In voice over, she says, "It was. it's a magical day. And then on the journal, she writes the words, it's a magical day. And it's in script that you're like, no little child has written it this way because it's all like cursive, flowery, very nicely written. And it just like, it looks like a postcard you'd find somewhere that's like it's a magical day it, yeah it looks like the sort of thing you'd find in one of those books of like helpful quotes that that you see on in little square books that like the front front section of a barnes and noble they're like twenty dollars <laughs> each and you're supposed to keep them in your bathroom you know it's like, oh uh. walk walk softly into the forest and carry a big stick that's that sort of thing yeah you got a book that's just called it's a magical day on it, and yeah. it gives you a bunch of like in semi-inspirational quotes. Yeah, stuff where it's like, "Oh, here's a person that had a magical day, and isn't yeah. that wonderful?" Yeah, look ever unto the stars for your answers. <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, so, okay. so these two scamps, these <laughs> these two, these adorable scamps, these little these little kids. That is 
pretty much the last we'll see of them because the next scene we just smashed to she's moving she's moving yeah and oh my that moving scene first of all the two adults who are in the moving scene are clearly you know very very basic day extras oh yeah it's just like a couple people they have one line they're just Get in the car, honey, and then they start driving off at about two miles an hour. Yeah, two miles an hour down one of those, like, empty suburban, like, one of those model communities, all Spanish tile and white white stucco walls, and, like, oh, we're obviously on a cul-de-sac, but it is deadly empty. It looks like it was just built, and it was just built in Phoenix. And so they take off, and, of course, Leah is out the window. All the way out the window, by the way, like, standing on the seat. Oh, yeah. She is, like, her entire torso is outside of this car yeah which is fine because it's driving along at parade float speeds oh yeah there's no there's no problem here no and uh fucking dylan dylan I keep wanting to call him danny it's my fault i said danny at the I beginning know. and now he's that guy from from fucking uh, salute your shorts God no wait not salute your shorts from uh hey dude <laughs> but he's he's running behind the car just sort of. waving. He's, he's walking. It's as if they were like, don't worry about being safe and just stand up in that car, sweetie. Meanwhile, you, little Dylan, you've got to watch out for cars, so you walk at a measured slower than a wheelchair pace. And so they're both waving at each other, and and then we just sort of smash cut to the future. Yeah. And in the future, Dylan has grown up to be a 80-year-old man. Uh, he, he has grown up to be... Uh, a melted Richard Hatch. He looks like a slightly worse Le- Gary Shandling. Yeah, he is just, whoo, baby. He Like, we find out that Leah, we see her, and she looks like she's maybe, like, 27. Yeah, she's at most 27. She looks like Jamie Presley when she grows up. Meanwhile, he grows up into skinny, strung-out Gary Shandling, and it's like, I guess that rock makes you grow faster. Like, it, Oh, it, yeah. It, no, and I, when you say that, you mean that crack rock, because that is what he has been on to look like this, if he is the same age as Leah. Yeah, what happened was, at that magical day, he found a magic rock that he carried around for no reason for the rest of his life. On his next magical day, he chose the wrong grail. <laughs> yeah, no, he found a magical rock that gave him progeria, and... Uh, <laughs> What I'm trying to get across here is that Neil Breen is a gross-looking person. But the only reason we bring this up is because he is going to force every female character in this movie, literally every every female character, to attempt to come on to him and to show him the tops of her breasts. Yep. At least. Yeah. Every single female character has to show this guy their boobs. Not us, though. The audience, we don't get any boobs out of this because he doesn't have boob money in his budget. No. So we get a lot of shirts heavily heavily thudding into the floor instead. But he also has directed it such that he will get to hold the person who is shirtless, but the audience does not get to see it. Basically, it looks like he makes this movie entirely so he can look at a variety of actors' boobs. Yeah, he's like, look, I'm only making movies so that I can, like cuddle with someone in a bed when they are topless Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna put the boobs on screen i just am pervy yeah he's like i have to do this this is the only way i can see boobs you try finding people to show you your boobs when you look like the ghoul that rose from the grave when bob dylan died yeah this guy looks like he is about to tell me a pun and then give me some sort of tale from the crypt (laughs) he looks like he's checking to see if you have the two gold gold coins so he'll take you across the river sticks (laughs) (laughs) that is neil breen (laughs) <laughs> Neil Breen, Johnny Depp's skinnier, strung-out, older cousin. The Madame Tussauds Johnny Depp wax sculpture when you left it <laughs> under bright lights too long. Neil Breen, if Snoopy was a human, this would be his cousin Spike. 
Uh, so, <laughs> so we we find out that he's now some sort of we don't even know what he is until later. Right now, he's just. A man leaving an important-looking building, yeah, again, in some part empty-ass part of Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, he's just got his weird little phone out, and he's talking to his wife, Emily. Yeah, do you remember how, for a brief time before everyone just had a cool phone that you know with a full touchscreen interface, like everyone had a smartphone, there were these phones that you could fold out so you could get the keyboard? Yeah, you'd like... There were the sidekicks, and then the ones that you'd fold up, and yeah. then... the ones where you'd fold them out over the screen, so that you always had the screen visible. Yeah. But the end result was always, there is a keyboard hidden away on this phone, and you can unfold it to get at it. Yeah, it's it's basically, this is the thickness of a flip phone, but instead of flipping, it's always that thickness, but you can slide it up or down. Or yeah, whatever. you can unfold it into such a manner as there's a little keyboard. Th- those things were popular up until right around 2005, 2006 or so among nerds. This movie was made in 2013. <laughs> uh, there's no reason for him to have that phone other than because he's going to throw it at things. It is really weird. And of course, because it's a like self-funded, shitty little movie, it's got just crap, grainy film that they're on. It's It doesn't look very good. So when you're watching it and you see that, you go, oh, this looks like it was filmed in about 2003, maybe. Yeah. No. no it really does. It looks like a student film that, that I made when I was in high school. Yeah. It is just bad and we uh and you get this other problem of phoenix filming in phoenix which is everything looks like it's in heaven because it's just unbelievably bright light just messing with your camera yeah it's super bright there's no people anywhere it's very sparse you're just like man this feels sort of like one of those movies where like a guy wakes up and there was a zombie apocalypse happened and he didn't realize it. And he's like, oh no, my vacation to the salt flats of purgatory is <laughs> ruined. <laughs> so the this scene, though, Neil Breen makes the strange directorial choice of while his character is walking around talking on the phone with his wife, Emily, Emily is the only one talking. They do that uh, thing in movies where you've got like one person on one end and they just keep saying something Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can then turn around and explain what was just told them. Except now we see both characters. It cuts to both of them. But for some reason, when it cuts to Neil Breen, it's about 50 feet away just showing him waiting at a crosswalk Mm -hmm. and him not responding. And then it cuts back to Emily responding to whatever it is he said into the phone because we don't get to hear it. (laughs) Yep. And then when the crosswalk turns green, apparently there were a whole bunch of people standing there because we watched a bunch of feet leave a curb, but they were not there in any of the other shots. Also, apparently, Neil Breen bought the uh, <laughs> the uh, Tarantino film dice. Oh, yeah. This is a lot of feet. Man, he, he 100% was like, oh, sweet. My Tarantino film dice finally came in. Now I can make movies about feet. <laughs> Which he doesn't quite understand Tarantino's love for the sweetness of human feet. Because there's no loving shots, it's just feet, because that way he doesn't have to match them up to who was talking. Well, that way he can have extras be there mm-hmm. while still using his main cast. Yeah. Because I assume that's why he did it. Yeah, well, that and because shots of feet leaving curbs and stuff can be purchased from stock photo websites for fairly cheap. So, uh. there's, a, so there's a whole bunch of characters who's, who are not in this movie because they are feet. So, walking across the crosswalk, he drops his phone and just stops to try and get it. And then in a scene that made me laugh, I wouldn't say uproariously, but very suddenly, (laughs) he is hit by a car 
in a way that is ridiculous looking. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it is... It is a it if, if this was a comedy, I would assume that this was on purpose. Slightly more slightly less realistic than the scene in Family Guy where Stewie pushes Brian in front of a car. Yeah. I believed that scene more. Yeah, the uh So he he hits and I love that it then shows the front of the car has blood on it. Yeah, a lot of blood. Like, a lot of fake ass Halloween strawberry jam. There's, there's blood on the like grill of this car and a little bit on the bumper. And then no blood anywhere else, but right next to his head. Yes. And okay. So he's clearly hitting the torso, but he suffers mostly head wound. Yeah. His yeah. body is fine. And then he's just got like no, scars on his face. It's just well, that, no, it's just that you couldn't do that much more damage to his soft, shitty Republican body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this guy is definitely a pillow top. That is what I'm saying. I think this dude's just some sort of cocoon for something. I'm pretty sure we didn't notice, but this guy is just an old-fashioned style claymation character. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that Neil Breen is the deflated Michelin man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he is he is hit, and we get a bunch of feet standing around him, and feet coming out of the car to get next to him. Oh, that's right. There's a lady that gets out of the car, and she's... I think she's supposed to be Leah because she has the bracelet. But no, she, we don't even see the bracelet. We just see her feet. That's right. We see her. Well, no, at one point, she bends over and takes something from him. It's like a crumpled up piece of paper or something. She bends over and takes it, and then she's out of the movie, as far as I can tell. She's not Leah because she's more. What's the word I'm looking for here? Voluptuous. Like we get to see her body for a couple of seconds, never her head, but her body. And her body's like, I'm a Playboy model. I, that's I'm doing this for day wages. Yeah, it, but you can't show my face because I don't want anyone to know I was in this. Can't show my face because I'm not in this movie. Yeah, I, th- there's a point where I think Neil Breen was like, "I will set up who hits her, who hits him with the car, and then that'll play off later." Nope, no. The <laughs> he opens his hand as well here, and he's got the black rock in it. Yeah, and then it disappears. Yep, it disappears. And he wakes up like I went. Oh, okay. He has a the black rock is apparently. In extra life, he has a one-up that he found in the <laughs> forest. He just never knew before. He's been carrying around his ex- his green mushroom all this time. Yeah, he just found a one-up, and now he finally gets to use it. He found the Mega Man one-up, a tiny version of his own head. <laughs> uh, but oh my god! So also one of the the <laughs> the, wit- the witnesses. One of the witnesses is my favorite person in this film for the one line that he gets. So there are three people who get lines during this scene. They're all extras. They all say things like the same thing twice, basically. One of them goes, he was hit by a car. He was hit by a car. Call 911. Call 911. And then the last guy, I'm a witness. I saw it. I'm a witness. I saw it. I did. I'm a witness. I saw it. Swear on me, mum. Bash your head in. (laughs) Oh, he was hit by a car, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Spare a copper. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to be like, you, put on the worst British accent you can. I'm the only British man in Phoenix, Arizona, I is. Oi, how did I get here? <laughs> I must have had quite the bender last night. Oh, yay. <laughs> I'm a bit of a goer, know what I mean? I, I... Hey, nudge. <laughs> I don't understand why he's British either, but he's clearly not British. No, he is clearly a dude with the shitty British accent like we are doing, and it made me so happy. At this point, I was like, this is a great movie. I had a, a weird scene of him getting hit by a car, and then a fake British guy saying that he saw what happened. Oh, I'm a witness. Scuff your kippers for an A-penny, I will. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, it and at that point I'm like, man, this I'm on board. I don't care. This is going to be one of those so bad it's good films. And then it just turned out no, it's, it's going to be bad. Go love calls for chimney sweeps out here in Phoenix, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Oh, I said, oh, I saw what I did. I was up the chimney. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I think he was hit by a car because he didn't shake hands with me. And my luck didn't rub off on him. <laughs> How about a smile? <laughs> <laughs> just, just that. But anyway, he wakes up. He doesn't wake up. I'm sorry. He goes to the hospital with a big stupid bandage on his face. He is basically wearing a jock strap over half of his face. He is. <laughs> He's the like, phantom of the locker room. Yeah, he he is just just ridiculous looking it's like someone put some huggies on his face yeah. and then put the foothole where his half of his face was that's exactly what it is he basically he's wearing children's pull-ups yeah as a head garment he is pretty much just sitting in the hospital like mommy wow i'm a big kid now <laughs> i need you to change my face diapy oh my god i know that that's someone's fetish on the internet I just like to think that his wife walked in and saw the other part of Neil Breen's unwounded face and was like, oh, God, you need to cover the rest of that. It's not getting better. Oh, oh no. <laughs> just, I'm imagining the actress came in and was like, wow, you guys spared no expense. He looks horrible. He looks just gross. Man, he's, you must have gone really all out on the makeup for this. And he's like, no, nope, I picked this up at Tesco. I did. <laughs> Everyone's British now. <laughs> Apparently now everyone is British in this film. Oh, dumb. Uh, so, <laughs> so his doctor basically checks some random things and says, "Like I'm gonna, t I'm not gonna lie to you. It doesn't look good. He might not wake up." And his friend is there. Oh yeah, his friend, his friend that we had not established was anything because at least with the Emily, the wife. We were like, okay, you were on the phone with her, and then she freaks out, and she's at the hospital. Yeah. But then we just get some guy who shows up, and he's the type of guy that looks like he's going to show up to a high school party uh -huh. with some beers, and he's just going to talk about when he was on the football team. Yeah. Actually, if you want to know what he looks like, I can give it to you in an exact description. John, are you familiar with the webcomic where the guy on the airplane is bragging about how his book won't, doesn't have to be turned off during takeoff. Yes. He looks like that guy exactly. <laughs> that smug son of a bitch, his time will come. In the end, we are all dust. <laughs> it's it's that guy. Uh. It's literally that guy is in this movie. Oh, my God. It's He is... Fuck, he is just, just a big dirtbag. And <laughs> he just... He looks like he knows whether or not his truck is a Hemi. Yeah. Is, is what he is. And he's there, and he is somewhat concerned. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, my friend. My one friend, the only guy who can stand me. Also, the wife, after he got hit by the car, did a thing that fills a lot of time in this movie, which is people calling other people's cell phones and yelling at them to pick up. Like, they don't know how cell phones work. Uh -huh. So they'll spend a lot of time calling and being like, I got your voicemail. Pick up. You've got to pick up. Even if they did, it wouldn't work anymore. That's that's not an answering machine. That's that's not how this works. It's not recording to tape. What are you doing? Again, why was this recorded in 2003? 2013. I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, is sorry, this movie yeah. was basically made in 2003 with everything in it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sometime between 1988 and 2003, this movie was made. Huh. So, anyway, these two characters show up, and they're the, the wife and the friend. And they're both spending time crying about him and blaming themselves for a lot. Another thing in this movie is people blaming themselves for things. 
that don't make any sense for them to blame themselves for? No. Not like even in a psychological way where it's like, no, man, you can't blame yourself that they committed suicide. That's not your fault. But like, it's my fault that that guy committed suicide, even though I never talked to him this entire movie and I was in a different house. <laughs> the, uh, the other doctor shows up. There's another doctor who's like, oh, let me take a look. And she gets the chart and then we get a close up of her wrist and there is the bracelet. Therein lies the bracelet. And our first thought is, oh, she's 30 years younger than him, though. Yeah. I was like, oh, what is this? Her daughter got the bracelet or something? <laughs> oh, or did she has she been handing that down through the generations? Is this her grandkid? Like, what's what's going on here? But no, that is that's Leah. Apparently, the bracelet keeps you young forever and the black rock turns you into the crypt keeper. Who knew? Oh, no. That, that's apparently what it is, is the bracelet drains the life energy out of whoever has the black rock. <laughs> that must be it. Yeah. So he got the black rock and all of his youthful vitality has just been going to her. Exactly. Which is why he looks like Abe Vigoda and she looks amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so now he... <laughs> just fucking wakes up randomly in the hospital after we get a scene of another we get the ghost thing essentially the again. ghost smoke and it it makes the window bl they have those vertical hanging blinds in the in this hospital room and they rattle a little and it's it's supposed to be like oh it's going past but what they do is like pull back shot of the window smoke and then close up shot of the blinds and you can tell that it's just the window open and there's a breeze because they're just sort of blowing in that way that it happens when there is a breeze. Yeah. It's just, it's not very impressive, to put, no. it, to put it mildly. Anyway, he wakes up in the hospital and just takes all his hospital shit off and just walks out of the hospital. Yeah, he, ju he just, like, gets up, takes the tubes that were taped to his arm and not inside of him. Yes, and the intubation tube going into his mouth that clearly ended at his mask. Yeah. And takes that off and walks out, and we get a nice shot of his ass. Yeah, that's the thing with him, is that all of his movies also feature his big, gross butt. Oh, yeah, he is definitely going to be naked for a fair amount of this film. I'm pretty sure he thinks his butt is super sexy because he's never seen it, you know, because it's back there behind him. Yeah. If he had seen it, he'd know, he'd know it looked like two shovels taped together. <laughs> if he had seen it, I'm pretty sure his face would melt even more, like <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant. Well, maybe that is the problem. Maybe he has seen his own butt. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's like the ring, and he has to show a bunch of other people his butt so that it doesn't kill him. Yeah, he still dies in seven days, but he thinks there's a chance. Uh, uh. Is that a thing in the ring that if you show someone else the tape, it skips you? Yeah, so you have to make a copy of the tape and have someone else watch it, and then you don't die. Although she still fucks with you for the full seven days. Like, that's the weird bit. It is, it's not like, oh yeah, now, now she'll leave you alone. It's, oh no, she's going to make it so that it, it's basically like you're going to die and she will fuck with you. And then you just don't die. At that the seems end. like an incredibly unfair system. Has anyone brought up a complaint to her? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've tried to get a hold of Samara's management, and uh... <laughs> I would totally love to have Samara come crawling out of a TV at me so I could ask to speak to her boss. Uh, hold on. Can I can, can I speak to whoever's in charge? <laughs> she just goes backwards, back up into the TV, comes back out with a fake mustache. <laughs> yes. Hello. Hello. I'm the manager. Hello. I'm Masara. <laughs> Well, you just sound like a British person saying Masala with a bad Indian accent. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Look, I'd, I'd like to register a complaint. Your weird ghost lady has been bothering me for seven days, even though I immediately made a copy of the of the video and put it somewhere where people would find it. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, sir. Let's get you a, a fresh copy right away then. Good day. <laughs> She just pops, right <laughs> pops, back. pops back into the well. She comes out again, keeps fucking with you. 
Yeah. Ooh, all your fingernails fell out. Oh, maybe you shouldn't have complained to my manager. <laughs> uh Samara was a valley girl, right? That was her personality. Oh, yeah, that was the whole thing with yeah. her. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, she's they're sitting there, and all the people around her are like, she never sleeps. She's a demon child. And she's like, oh, my God, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> I never sleep because I'm at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we have gotten ridiculously off topic. <laughs> but it's better that way. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this movie. It doesn't even have a topic. Ugh. But you're right. We got a lot to cover. So <laughs> we uh, we find out that eventually Neil brings uh, fucking not Danny. Got it. Dylan. 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 No, he gets up and he leaves the hospital and he goes home. Yeah. So after the whole diaper shower scene with lots of blood and whatnot, he's just sort of fine. Yeah. Like his doctor puts him on pain medication and stuff, but it doesn't mean anything. It, he does he doesn't take it, and he's clearly not wounded anymore, and that's just the end of that. Yeah. The <laughs> I love the scene where he goes, I'm not going to take these. It's wonderful because we find out that he's a a writer. Oh, my God. The writer aspect of this character is. He's got a room with a bunch of papers in it, and then between five and six laptops? Yeah, somewhere between five and 7,000 laptops. Never turned on. No. Not plugged in. Just scattered around the room. Just dead laptops sitting around, and the best is when he is typing at one of them, and it's still not turned on, and he's just hitting like the same button over and over again and going, there. He types in the same way that Mozart makes fun of Salieri, huh. where he's just like, doop, 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 like instead of typing. Yeah. It is ridiculous, but there's uh, there's a point where like he gets horrible head pain, and he's like, oh, this is terrible, and... Uh, he asks for his pills, the wife goes and gets them, and then, like, keeps a couple for herself, gives him the pills, and then he's like, no, nah, I don't want these. I don't want these pills. I don't want them. <laughs> like, his character will get randomly angry at various points in this movie for, like, nothing will happen. He'll just suddenly freak out about something. Yeah. So he'll, he stands up and he goes, I don't want the pills. I'm not going to take them. I'm not going to take these pills. Lex Luthor stole 40 cakes. <laughs> That's four tens. That is 40 cakes. That's terrible. And that is terrible. And then he goes and dumps the pills in the toilet, and that's where we get to learn. <laughs> doesn't flush. Doesn't flush. He's just like, them. let me just leave these pills here in the toilet, and good day. Anyway, my wife apparently is some sort of pill-popping addict, as this is the establishing scene that tells us this, because she fishes them out of the toilet. But he knew, because the next scene is him complaining about it to her. Why didn't he flush then? Yeah, and well, what a dick. Does this mean that she's always been addicted to pills or cuz I'm like I don't I don't understand if she just started right now then you know she would nice? I think I'll start up a nice pill addiction. Yeah, she's just like, "Oh, uh you know what? I'll start taking some of your pills for no reason." Oh, hey, that's pretty nice. I guess I'm addicted now. <laughs> that would make sense. The morality of this movie is very weird, so I I guess that would add up. Yeah. Uh <laughs> we also get to cut to his friend that we saw in the hospital has a wife that he wants sex from yeah his his wife he wants to have sex with his wife which i mean i'm not gonna blame him but it's it's one of those things where like she is 
just sitting there and is like, I don't want sex. And he's like, oh, come on. No, I had a hard day at the office. Which is worse than that because he says, what? Did you, like, have a hard day at the office or something? And she's like, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. You bastard. Yeah, they're fighting is just the worst there's no emotion in it and there's no attempt to argue any sort of point basically he'll just pop up and be like hey let's get frisky and she'll be like no no peg and then he's like i would like to be intimate with my wife no i don't want to it's like if you look at the margins it's probably because she's disapproving of how much he drinks but Possibly? it's not like that is ever said during the film. Also, it's not like she ever appears without a drink in her hand as well. Yes, and but she never says a reason other than it was a hard day once. And most of the time she's just like, no. And he's like, but I don't understand. And then, so he'll give up and go off to do something. And this is the thing that drives me insane, because this happens like three times. Yes. He'll be like, let's have sex. No. All right, uh, fine. I'll uh, go work on the car. Well, it's not even that, because it's not over yet. No. Why not? Leave me alone, you bastard. Go away. He's like, okay. And he gets up and, st- and angrily stomps off and goes out in the garage and works on a car, which summons her. And she pops up and goes, you care about that car more than me. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no you, shit. You just told me to go away. Like, it's weird. There's even one of those, because they have this stupid interaction multiple times. There's one point where she even, like, kind of wants to then have sex with him when she goes there and i'm like he was just and then you what the fuck is going on here what is this and then he refuses he's like oh no you suck i'll work on the car i'm like this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen he's got a lambo in his garage which he's just endlessly cleaning one of the rearview mirrors (laughs) up he is just endlessly cleaning that mirror that is it. That is all he is allowed to touch on this rental. Yeah, it's a rental Lambo that they have parked in a garage so as not to damage it or risk any, any kind of insurance issues. And he is allowed to touch this one mirror, so he's always cleaning it. Yeah. That's that's what's happening like, so many times. And that's their whole relationship, is him going, let's have sex, and her going, no. And the impression you get is that these two haven't had sex in, like, forever. It's been, like, 14 years since they've had sex. Also, they have a daughter who looks to be about 17 to 18 years old. Yep. And so does the wife. I'm just saying. She looks like she's maybe 22. Yeah, the wife looks pretty young. The daughter looks pretty old for the, a kid. Yeah, the, the the wife looks like she's in a lot of movies called things like Poisoned Intentions too, <laughs> Seductive that, Nights. That is true. Yeah, That is 100% accurate. Yeah, that's that's the sort of person that we have here. And interludes on a woodsy tarp the weird thing about this movie is i mean i would say smash cut again but that's the only cut this movie knows yeah uh there is no transition there's never an establishing shot there's never anything to ease you into something else it's just stop filming one thing immediately begin filming a different thing yes and the next scene is the two our main characters dylan and and emily having a fight and the fight is him saying you're addicted to pills. No, I'm not. Well, and she's just like, no, I need these pills. I, I, I'm not addicted. I just need these pills and want these pills. I, I need these pills. No, you need to stop taking the pills. No, I need them. They're my pills. I need them. They're I, pills. Pills, I need them. I need the pills. And he's like, you could just be strong and not take the pills. I don't want to. I, am I, w- not- 
I want to send you to rehab. No, I don't want to go to rehab. I want to keep taking the pills. Yeah. Which I thought was the best part of that. Where he's like, look, let me send you to rehab for addiction. She's like, no, I want this addiction. This is great. Look, could you at least use your powers to cure cancer or something? <laughs> uh, I don't want to cure cancer. I want, I want to, to turn, turn people, people into, into dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Uh. So, so, um. He basically, they end this argument by saying, let's have a party? Like, well, the weirdest bit about this argument is they argue back and forth about, like, oh, you need to go to rehab, you've got this problem, whatever. And then it just ends and cuts to them sitting next to each other, and they're like, oh, honey, we should have a party. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? What time period did we jump forward? Yeah. And this is also the first inclusion of a scene where, where Breen tells us what his character is actually doing instead of sitting around in a room full of turned-off laptops not writing his novel. He's in there, as he says during this scene, when his wife's like, I don't know, we used to be happy, and he's, he just goes out of nowhere, I'm hacking all of the governments and major corporations' internets, and I am discovering such amazing secrets, and they'll never discover me. Yeah, the... And her response is just like, I need pills. Yeah, that back and forth is completely insane it's it's the probably one of the better examples of the everyone was writing their own dialogue yeah because she's just going like i need these pills and you're a bad husband because you won't let me have pills and whatever and he's like honey i'm not writing a novel i'm hacking everything i've hacked all of the internets and i found all their secrets and i'm gonna expose them and she's like okay but what about a party and he's what what in god's name is happening who so they have a party, and the party features just the two friends that we've been discussing, the the, uh, the unhappily married couple and their teenage daughter. And this is another scene where Neil Breen needs to make sure that his character is the best. So the daughter's like, I am working on a project at school about woolly mammoths. And, and he says, I'm very interested in that. And the dad character goes, oh, shut up, daughter. He's not interested in hearing about woolly mammoths. <laughs> and then Breen has to go, I am interested, Daniel. I am interested in hearing about her school project. Uh, and then, of course, this pisses the wife off, and there's all the, this dinner party is now ruined. Oh, no, he wants another beer. Uh, I'm not picking sides in that fight, by the way. It may, may, may sound like I'm picking the husband's side. They're both dumbasses. They're both awful, and I, I, I hate them. I, the daughter is awful, and I hate her. Yeah, everyone in this movie is a reprehensible shitheel who should die. The uh, <laughs> And now... For some reason, after this, like, the daughter starts coming on to him? Yeah, this is... So, okay, we get a love scene between Dylan and his wife. We get a couple of these where where the, she walks into his office while he's doing whatever. Like, he's just sitting in there hack, pretending to hack computers. Yeah. And throwing his novels around and stuff. And then she's like, I'm mad at you. And he's like, oh, yeah? And he starts dumping their shitty doesn't work laptops on the ground and they have terrible sex. Yeah. It's yet another scene of shirts heavily hitting the ground. There's a thing that happens every time someone wants to seduce Neil Breen in this, which is they are wearing a shirt with shoulder straps, and they will put the straps down and move the shirt down enough to show basically the tops of the breasts and stop. Yes, because no one got paid boob money. No, no one got paid to be like have their breasts filmed, so they just... Go to the point where they're like, look, it's like I'm wearing a slightly lower cut shirt. Yes, and his reaction is always, oh man, let's uh, let's kiss a bunch and let's have that kind of, 
let's let's show you exactly how far I can get my lips from my face because it's creepy. Let me tell you, I can basically do a taper impression. You want to see it? No, I'm gonna eat me some grubs. It's just and and he likes to do like lots of long little kisses. And it's obvious that the actor actors all of the actors in the movie that have to do this are like eh. Yeah, there's, God, there's a scene as well where now that he's started to go insane, because he keeps having weird headaches and he's hacking all of the internets, though we've never established that he is a hacker. It was just, we found out he was a novelist and then later he just has a point where he's like, I'm hacking the internet. I'm hacking every major government's computer site. You're like, okay, all right. Fine. Apparently, you are also a hacker. Okay. But he also starts having these weird visions of him <laughs> naked God, in, a, about those. in a trash bag room with a book on a pedestal. We've got to talk about what a trash bag room is, first let, of all. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know what is going on in the hefty room? So, imagine that you wanted to do a bunch of scenes against a black void. But you couldn't afford a black void because those are complicated. So you thought, well, we'll just cover the room in black stuff such that it looks darker in the room. And then you cast your eyes about the garage because you are out of money and you settle upon several piles of garbage bags. And you think, these will not be reflective and look like shit. I'll just staple them all over the inside of a garage and we'll film in there. Yep, he is very clearly just in some room that has had a ton of garbage bags just sort of draped over everything. Yeah. And he is... It looks na- like he built a neighborhood haunted house. Oh, yeah. He's definitely... Like, if a book wasn't on that pedestal, it would be peeled grapes. Yep. He'd be like, oh, these brains are witch brains, he'd say Ooh. as he held out some spaghetti. Yeah. The... <laughs> he is naked and doing the Terminator crouch in that room. Yep. And there's a book in there, and that is it. Oh, I just remembered the long, slow pan across the... the storage unit oh yeah that starts the movie the the very beginning of the movie is just a camera slowly moving down a storage unit hallway until it comes across a stool with a comically fat book on it yes and it is that book that is in his weird garbage bag room yes so there's an evil or good or something book that exists in this movie and it does nothing and no one cares (laughs) spoiler alert it has no consequence no (laughs) one ever gives a fuck about this book so here he is in his naked room and back in the real world he's going ah while he dumps coffee on his own face. And his one of his non-working laptops. <laughs> it's clear these laptops never worked in the first place because they are used as sex props like 15 times in this movie where he like goes, I'm horny, so I'm going to throw this laptop on the floor. I'm angry, so I'm going to throw this book at this laptop. Yeah, I, I'm in pain. I'm pouring stuff on this laptop. It is all just like he went to the dump, found the most workably like nice-looking laptops that were still broken, because they also look like, again, like 2003 laptops. Yeah. So it's just thrift store laptop finds, which is probably also where he got that phone that he's using. Yep. And it just spreading them around. Just scenery of laptops. Yep, just laptops as far as the eye can see. I, oh, my God. So, so yeah, he gets a terrible headache and he dumps goop on his, or, or coffee on his face. Uh, okay, so then he has a party. Yes. This is an actual pool party yeah, there's because a they have extra, a pool now. There's a whole set of extras there. There's another couple. They're, they don't matter, and they're not in the movie, but you can see them in wide shots that there are two more humans that are at this party than other characters that have already been established. And the other person that gets invited is the doctor from the hospital that wasn't his doctor 
but is Leah that he doesn't realize yet? I don't know why she got invited to this party. Like, you would think that he would go back to the hospital at some point and talk to the other doctor, and that's how he would meet her. Mm -hmm. But no, he invites her to a party for no reason. Yeah. There's there's literally no way he would even know she existed because all she does is when like she originally gets shown, picks up the chart, tells the doctor who's his actual doctor, "Hey, uh just let me know if anything like develops with this case." And then leaves. Yeah. Yeah. So this Oh my god, the party scene. So first of all, the husband who's always drinking is too drunk at the party. It's very minor, but it's an important I guess it's an important character plot to this guy. Uh but yeah, Leah shows up, his childhood friend, now t- 30 years younger than him, and in a scene that can only be described as stupid, her journal falls out of her pocket. She's carrying her childhood journal around in her tight jeans pocket. And, and the journal is the size of a standard like school journal. It's not a little pocket journal. It is an actual large-sized journal that she's been carrying around since she was nine. With the only that still has nothing else in it, nothing else written in it except for it is a magical day on one page, which it falls open to. Yes, and then he he picks it up and it's like, oh my goodness, I I had a friend who we had a magical day, and it was this just, your he, journal. He just immediately says, "Is it you? Is it you? It's you, my friend. I've always wanted to see you again. This is great." This is so great. I have never stopped thinking about you. Yeah. And then he starts doing this thing where he leans way in so he can whisper to her a bunch of times. Like, the rest of the party scene is him leaning over to her and saying things like, very good. <laughs> Remember that? When he when she's leaving and he's like, it was really good to see you. And he leans in super close, like, in full view of everyone, including his wife, and just goes, it was very good to see you. Really good. Oh, like boner good. He's leaning over in the way that like your horny uncle gets too close to the waitress at Hooters. Yeah, no, he is just a creepo. He is just 100% creep. And so, of course, this is going to make the wife upset. Oh, yeah, she already accused him of having an affair in a a different Which is why he tells her that he's hacking all of the internet. Yeah, he's like, I am not having an affair. I'm hacking the government. I am not cheating on you. I am not. And the only reason I'm not cheating on you is because an opportunity hasn't presented itself. Because let me tell you. The as instant, soon as it does. Right. Even if you're there right in front of you, I will immediately leap on that opportunity. Yeah. And the uh, the drunken friend kind of like bumps into and makes innuendos at uh, Emily. And so Emily she, being the wife. Yeah. She pushes him and he knocks over some stuff. And that's it, but she will blame herself for his death later on because she pushed him a little when he was an asshole. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> spoiler alert, he dies Spoiler later. alert, he will die. Spoil- in, the, in the only story that goes anywhere in this movie, he dies. Yeah, the <laughs> which is not resolved in any way. <laughs> no, it just goes somewhere. Where it goes is to the middle of a story. Yeah. And then stops. So, at this point, the like I had said, the daughter of... This is the- grossest fucking thing it's it's basically like neil breen wanted to include that scene from fast times yeah i was like oh i just want that in my movie uh hey random daughter of this couple you're gonna come on to me as well so here's what happens he goes in his house into his room full of laptops and starts pretending to type she stays after the party is over 
gets into a bikini because she's not wearing one during the party. No, this is this is later. Yeah. This is not like at the after, party. after the party this or is, anything. This is like jump cut to sometime. Yeah, sometime. Maybe the same day, maybe not. Uh, she gets in the pool, gets out of the pool, takes her top off while facing away from the window, and then turns to look at him without turning around, of course, and starts going, Dylan. Dylan. Yeah. And then that he... He doesn't do anything. He just closes his blinds. And then and then her, she, her response to that is she goes inside and runs a bath for herself and tries to get in. Yep. And fucking Dylan goes into the bathroom and is like, you can't do this. You can't be here. He's like, this is unpleasant. I can't have you do this. I'm not going to hand you a towel or your clothes or anything. I'm going to hug you until you stop. Yeah. Because he's just a fucking gross creep. And... So then he, you know, tells his wife, oh, she's been over here and uh, you told her that she could use our pool anytime and now she's using it to try and come on to me and I'm already cheating on you with someone, so I can't do it with another person. Get her to stop. Like, he's mad at his wife that this is happening. Yeah. He is mad that his wife made a, like, standard platitude of, oh, come over anytime and that this girl has decided to do so. So... She calls, the, the wife calls the other family and is like, hey, your daughter was in our pool. And the wife over there pr- promises to take care of it. Then she immediately gets into another fight about sex with her husband. And, <laughs> and in one of the dumbest things ever, uh, gets a gun, goes to the garage, and shoots him. But her plan isn't to shoot him, it's to shoot his car. Yeah. It's, oh, you, you like that car so much. I'm going to put holes in it and then just fires once and shoots him in the head. Yeah. Because it's way easier to do that than hit a car. Yeah, yeah. She couldn't hit the broadside of a Lambo, as it turns out. Uh, it's it's a ridiculous scene because she's like, I'm going to put holes in that car. And he's like, why? You Do you really want me in the house? Because you don't want to be around me at all. Yeah, it's like, do, make up your mind. If you want me to come inside, I will do so. But... Otherwise, I'm going to be out here with this car. Because so far, no, no conversation that we've had in this movie has not ended without you throwing a drink at me. Yes. You are constantly just throwing a drink at me. And it's always alcohol, too. It's never. She's like, you're such a horrible drinker. I'll throw white wine at you at 2 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> it is so awful. And so she kills him. And then the daughter shows up and freaks out. And she's like, no, no, forget that you saw this. You didn't see anything. Don't tell anyone. And then just, like, puts the gun in his hand. Yeah, doesn't clean it or anything. No. Just like, we see her bend over with gun in hand, put it in his, and walk away. And you're like, you, uh, you, you have your prints all the fuck over that. Also, the casing from the bullet is over by the door. That's a little weird. And <laughs> she... She's then like, "Lo, he he committed suicide. But we can't afford police in this movie, so instead she just calls the friend... The, the, uh, uh, Dylan's wife Emily and is like he committed he committed the suicide he is dead now oh no and fucking the daughter is over there at one point after this as well <sighs> I and don't even keeps trying to seduce him and then they're just like you know you need to go uh back home your your dad is dead and you need to talk to the police or some shit and they're like oh but he didn't commit suicide my mom killed him I saw. And Neil Breen's reaction to this is just, 
Well, you need to tell the police that. Goodbye. Good day. Good day, girl. I have no reaction to the news that my best friend was killed by his wife. Good day. I'm too busy hacking the internets and having dreams about ghosts. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, he has also just been seeing Leia or Leah. He's been seeing Leia. R2-D2 keeps popping up with a friggin' little (laughs) video message. Look at this thing. Look at this cool video message. Oh, God. And... Like, they go back to the field where they originally had a magical day and, like, refine the magical mushroom. and Yeah, they refine. They, they go back as adults. They just go off one day together. No mention is made of what, you know, Emily thinks about any of this. No, because, of course, everything just completely smash cuts to a new scene where yeah. nothing matters anymore from so the last scene. As adults, they go off and find the mushroom again. But we keep smash cutting to Emily, who is getting drunk and and eating pills like like uh, M and M's. Oh yeah, and when he, when by the time he gets home, his wife is dead on pills, and his response is to blame her. He's like, "I know you did it. I know you did this. Oh, why would you do this? Oh, I know it was you. Incidentally, thanks, but I wish you hadn't done it in the bed because I'll be banging here pretty quick. Yeah, well." We have another one of those scenes where uh, Leah puts her top down to the top of cleavage again while they're at the magic mushroom. Yeah. And we get a plopping shirt, and now we it is assumed that which, they will sex. Which means that he immediately sexed up this random woman while his wife was at home killing herself. Yep. And uh, <laughs> the thing is, after that, we completely forget. We never find any resolution about the, the murder of his friend. No, Nothing is ever said about that these again. These characters are just out of the movie. Yep. Uh, we also... Stop caring about uh, Leah and the dead wife because now he's going to go tell the world about what he found out on well, his hacked oh internet. Okay, we can't we can't skip this. Leah moves in with him, so he switches he switches wives. Just no problem. Just like Bing, there we go. Because remember they have to go for a walk in the park, and she's like, "I broke up with my boyfriend. I broke up with him for you." Huh. And this is all happening while Emily's still alive, by the way. Oh yeah. I broke up, and they're going. They're walking by the grossest duck pond I've ever seen. Ah, remember that? It was like a septic system that they found in Arizona somewhere. They were walking along like, here. <laughs> this is the only large body of water we could find. Turns out it's just stagnant piss. But you know, <laughs> whatever. Ah, welcome to the scenic Phoenix melted Twix bowl. <laughs> thousands and thousands of melted Twixes form the gross body of of a uh, fluidish stuff. That makes up our national lake. <laughs> Welcome to our, our proud lake. It's a Newtonian fluid. <laughs> you could technically walk across it. If you were fast enough or slow <laughs> enough, you figure it out. Who knows? <laughs> Many of Phoenix's lakes are actually colloids. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we're skipping all this dumb bullshit that happens here that's just stupid. Like, there's all these scenes of a man in a suit walking around inside of his house, but you never see his face. No, it's just it his just feet. Ma- it's more of that more feet. make movies about feet. And also all of the pictures on his walls kind of going wump, wump, wump from the bottom. Like like I- any other movie, it'd, it'd be a comical situation that someone in the movie is humping so hard that it's making the walls shake. But in this movie, it's supposed to be that weird ghost things are happening. And like there's, I mean, the the whole trash bag room visions. Oh, yeah. This now, weird ghost. Now Leah has to be in the trash bag room visions naked as well. Oh, yeah. And he has to pose himself such that the two of them are crouching near each other, but his arm is going under her boobs. Well, so that it blocks. So you don't see anything, but his arm is touching it. Yeah, he has to be the one touching them because he's a gross fucking creep. Yes, is Neil Breen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we get those visions. We get some weird ghost thing. In his house, and he also at one point is like, 
hey, I've got to take a road trip. Yeah, that's great. Goes that's out I, to the fucking desert. One of my favorite scenes in this fucking movie is when he when he leaves the message for for Leah about how he's going to the desert, and it's like a five minute don't worry message, which is the scariest fucking thing you can receive. Oh yeah, if you get a message from someone who's like, hey, I'm not I'm not there, and you're gonna wake up, and I'm not there, but don't worry, I'm fine. Don't worry, I've got to take care of something, but I'm okay. Just don't worry, I'm fine. Remember that I love you. I love you. I love you so much, but I'll be fine. Everything's fine. I'll be back soon. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm like, that is a message from a guy who's like, oh, I'm going to go kill myself. I can hear the gun to his head. Yeah, that is not a message you leave when you actually want someone not to worry. What you do is you leave a message that is, hey, I had to go take a road trip out to the desert real quick. I'll be back later this evening. And that's it. Yeah. You don't leave a message that's like, oh my god, this is going to be the final thing that I hear from him. Yeah, I better not delete this. <laughs> yeah. This might be evidence. So he he <laughs> gets the, to the desert oh, and the finds desert. three hooded ghost men. Yes, three spirits of Christmas past are out there. And, and the book on a pedestal. He walks up to it and nothing. They all disappear. Everything disappears as he gets close to it. And then it just cuts away and that's the end of that. But meanwhile, Leah's been kidnapped. <laughs> Uh, remember that she's like just randomly kidnapped i think she's supposed to be kidnapped by the people who know he's hacking all the governments yeah it's oh he we have people that know that you're you got the hacked government information so we we kidnapped leah and now he has superpowers this is one of my favorite scenes because he's walking home and this is him walking home from the desert he is walking up and he goes on his phone, he goes, hi, Leah, I'm just calling you. I'm in the driveway. I'm walking up to the house right now, Leah. I'll see you when you're inside. I am giving you a call. Oh, my gosh, your stuff's lying outside. You must have been kidnapped. Leah, Leah, you have to pick up. Leah, Leah. Uh, then it cuts to the same shot in the same spot, and he goes, I just went inside the house and came back out, and you are definitely gone. Leah, Leah, where are you? Pick up. Uh, like, what? Why did you go back out there? What are you doing? Yeah, the everything in this movie makes no sense. Yeah. Everything in this plays out like a dream because nothing makes sense. It smashes from one thing to another. Nothing really plays into anything else. Uh, things are brought up and then forgotten immediately. At least in Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny, there's a through line. Yeah, there is one thing that you can hold on to in that movie, but there is nothing here. There is no, like, life preserver that you can cling to in the ocean of insanity that is this movie. Oh, there's Neil Breen's sexy American body. Oh, God. It's like someone just put cottage cheese in a hefty bag. <laughs> so he goes to rescue her from her kidnapper. Her kidnapper is some random extra wearing a wearing a bla, a, a, bakl a balaklava balaklava a balaklava a baklava. He's yes, wearing, he's wearing baklava. He's wearing some baklavas, and he's wearing a balaklava. And he walks up to the dude, and he's just like, "Where is she? Where is Leah?" And he's like, "Oh, oh, I'm dumb. Oh. oh." So he hits him. He hits this guy in the head with a bottle, and then he teleports into a into the uh, thing that Leah's being hit, hit, hidden in. Picks up Leah, takes her blindfold off, and is like, I am rescuing you, but I need to put your blindfold on, and you need to shut up. Yeah, you need to you need to not try and figure out what's going on. I'm going to get you out of here, but you can't see. And again, he teleports out. He teleports her and himself out. He can teleport. He now, I don't understand anything going on in this movie, because it went from, like, a weird childhood... Uh, coming of age, my girl type story. To then it's okay. No, it's the 
like drama of a man and his wife and, and drug addiction and drug addiction and, and then it went into a hacker movie where it's secret government conspiracies and now all of a sudden it's superpowers yeah it's just all these things plus ghosts the whole time yeah it's it, it is not nonsensical because he couldn't pick one thing to do with this movie also the the touching and romantic story of a man who decided that he fell in love at nine and is proved correct yeah it's insanity that this movie's supposed to be like, oh, this kid knew a girl when he was nine and then decided to cheat on his wife with her. Isn't that romantic? And you're like, no, this guy is an awful person. This is a terrible creep. No one remembers their crush they had when they were nine. Oh, I do. I mean, yeah, but you don't remember I mean, her, her name was Amanda. Yeah, but you don't. Re- yeah, mine was Pamela. But you, do- <laughs> but you don't remember them enough to call them up. No, and there's. There is literally no way I would be able to identify her at this point as well. Yeah, my nine-year-old memories of Pamela, this is going to sound mean, and, and Pamela, if you become one of my listeners, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I, I literally cannot separate you in my mind from Miss Piggy the Muppet. Wow. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. When I was a little kid, I thought Miss Piggy was super sexy. Okay. Because they always presented her in such a fashion. Yes. So that's in my mind, that's what I, fi- I picture when I'm like, oh man, when I was in first grade, I had the biggest crush on what I assume is Miss Piggy. Nah, man. Uh, first grade, Amanda was my first kiss, and the only other distinct memory outside of like kissing on a playground is I ran into her at SeaWorld one time. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" And she had a she had one of those red uh, popsicles, so her mouth was kind of red. And I remember that. This is what I remember from first grade. See, I don't. I, none of the people I, I moved when I was like eleven, so all of my pre pre uh, like second or, th- or sixth grade memories or so are dead. Well, the thing is, I'll never see any of them again. She, this was when I lived in San Diego and before I moved. So she was here in first grade when I lived in San Diego, which means there's a possibility that she is still here. Ooh. She could be around. Well, if you, if you, my first grade crush could be here. All I need to do is get hit by a car real quick. Yeah. (laughs) All you have to do is cheat on your wife. So, well, yeah, all I need to do is get hit by a car and then the doctor will show up with a red popsicle and I'll be like, it's you. I know it's you. I like the idea that she's eternally carrying around a red popsicle and a message that says it's a magical day. <laughs> yeah. She's going to show up and be like, oh, no, you were hit by a car. I have a red popsicle. Today is a magical day. And I'll be like, I know it's you. Oh, my God. It is the w- oh, Okay. Let's get to the ending. Let's do it. The ending of this movie is the gr- dumbest, most unearned bullshit ever, which is Neil Breen, again, we just... Smash cut to him standing in front of, like, the Capitol building. Yeah, he's standing in front of a hanging backdrop of the Capitol building. I mean, you can see the wind moving it around. Oh, yeah. And he's got just one of those little, like, podiums with a bunch of microphones on it. Mm -hmm. And he is saying the most generic crap, and people are clapping for him. Yes, and every time he says anything, they pause for claps. Like, and it, it cuts to some stock footage of cameras... No one there is doing anything. Yeah. They're, like, you can kind of see that there are people, is, like, on the other side of them, this but is whatever. This is mind-bendingly stupid. Like, this is, it, it's almost the sort of so bad it's good, like, shock ending, because it's, it, it's him standing there. He has a USB drive. That is the only prop he has. And he goes, I have hacked all of the government. And major corporations. I have hacked all of them. I and, have found deep corruption. And the things I have learned will tear them down. Clap, 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 clap. I have all of this information. It is here. I have found it out through hacking them. 
Clap, 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 clap. They are not doing the good things for people. They are corrupt, and they they are doing bad business. Clap, 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 clap. I know that people will will think terrible ab- about these companies when they see the data that I have here. I will give this data to you. Like, that's the thing that's amazing, is that he manages to get this press conference going and, and all that without actually having released anything yet. No, he's... This is the type of thing where you're like, dude, this is like a, a crazy homeless guy came up to, like, a news station and goes, I found out the government put things in my brain. Let me go on station. And they went, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. What, what do you got there? A stick that you're calling evidence? Sure. Yeah. Everyone, let's line up for this guy and give him a microphone and a podium. Yeah, it is crazy because there's no evidence that he has given. He's just like, don't worry. I'll tell you about it shortly. And we have... A bunch of people that we are then supposed to think are, like, senators and business CEOs and whatnot. And then they all just start killing themselves. Yep. Oh, dude, Tom Waits's greasy half-brother just said that I, I, I did a bad thing. I better kill myself. <laughs> There's a sniper in the bushes. <laughs> the sniper! Oh, my God, the sniper! There's a sniper in the bushes who, like, puts his sights on Neil Breen and is then shot... And There's no Breen, gun noise. He's, he looks over, and Neil Breen just kind of smiles and nods that there is a dead sniper. Uh-huh. Uh. It's not like they're in the same shot ever. No. It's the, a sniper pops out of some bushes, and it's clearly a line of fake bushes in a building. And he points his gun at Neil Breen. They cut to Neil Breen. They cut back to the sniper, who is now dead with blood coming out of his head. No gun noise. Back to Neil Breen, who is smiling beatifically. He is smiling like Jesus on the cross. It's like... <laughs> Ah. Uh, good. Anyway, like Get I was snipers. saying, and then it starts cutting to all the financial and pol- political people, and each one of them is like, "Oh I, no, I have betrayed the people. They will never trust me now." And then hang themselves. I tried to live a good life, but I succumbed to corruption. Shoot myself in head. Yeah, and just, it, and it's great because they're on the same backdrop of the Capitol building, and like just looking stock straight into the camera and uh-huh. going. I have been a wrong person. No one will let me live this down. And then just from off screen below, lifting up is his hand with a gun that then slowly goes to his forehead. Yep. And then you hear a bang, and it is, once again, hilarious. The, the way this is shot is great. The, the thing I love about this scene is the, con- the the timing, because the very first guy after Neil Breen to come up and just like admit that he's a terrible person shoots himself right there, Yeah. and everyone just claps. Everyone's like, yay, yay. Good hey, job. man, nice shot. Anyway, let's have someone broom him out of the way so the next lady can come up and admit that she did something terrible. Yeah, it is just so weird. And again, completely unearned that Neil Breen would be able to be like, I am now a hero of the people. I have found all of the dirty secrets of everyone, and I will reveal them. It, I am the world's greatest hacker. But this movie wasn't about that. Wait, what, what happened with your like pill-popping wife? Hey, how's your friend's murder case going? Anyway, I discovered rampant corruption among the fo- the corporations. Hey, what's what's the deal with that giant gold book and the ghosts that keep visiting you? Does hey, not matter. Uh, the important thing is that I discovered that Congress has done something bad. Hey, did anything ever happen with that teenage girl that was hitting on you? Look, the important thing to take away from this is that the banks are keeping your money. <laughs> hey, man. What was the deal with that magic mushroom and the stone you have? Yeah, what's up with that black rock you have? Look, what I'm trying to get across here is that those clowns in Washington... <laughs> yeah, the end of this movie is 
completely nonsensical, which is fine since the rest of the movie is. Smash the credits. And just done. Great. We're done here. Well, with the my favorite thing is during the credits, we get to see all the characters that were in the movie, and then it starts listing production companies and stuff. Also, <laughs> oh yeah, the names for things. Yeah, because it'll be like new business catering, or or, or like a black nest, uh, bird services, or something like that. And then at the very end, it goes any com- any name you saw during these credits that had an N and a B in it is actually Neil Breen doing that himself. Oh yeah, so like all the catering. All of the Location various scouting, yeah, all the various services and things that it was attributing to some company is just him. It's just him making up jobs for himself that you don't normally see credited in movies, like location scouting. Yeah, which great job, by the way. You sure did find a lot of empty parking lots. <laughs> Good job. You sure did find a neighborhood in the town you live. Yeah. So anyway, he gave himself double credit for that. So there we go. Let's do our our best and worst. Best thing in the movie, Jeff. The best thing in the movie is the sniper who kills himself somehow. I mean, I'm just, I can't think of anything I like better. Maybe the scene where all of a sudden Neil Breen can teleport. (laughs) Yep. Either one of those, any unearned weird magic nonsense that happens in this movie was the things that at least made me laugh. So those two scenes in particular, maybe also the the hefty bag naked room. (laughs) What was your favorite thing? I, I mean, him getting hit by a car is the thing that made me laugh the most. And the witness and and the witness that whole scene or the, the whole, witness or is <laughs> that whole hit by a car scene is gold. That is one hundred percent pure gold. Oh, I'm a witness. I am. I am. <laughs> I work all night and I drink all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the witness things just. The, the random lady, the obsession with feet in that scene. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even want to call it an obsession with feet, because whenever you see a Tarantino movie, it's not that there's feet in Tarantino movies. It's that there's lovingly filmed feet. Oh, yeah. Well, it's that feet are also being lovingly touched. Yes. Feet are being interacted with or being, being dangled out of a car window in a sexy way or something like that. I mean, I'm not a huge foot fetishist exactly, but I understand what I, I understand porn when I see it. Well, yeah. In this movie, it's that filming feet is cheap. Yeah, it's just... This is the shot that I am doing inexplicably. Yeah. Here we go. So that that is definitely my high point. And okay. the worst for you. <sighs> Christ's sake. The worst part Pick of Pick something. Pick something in, in fateful findings to be the uh, worst. The fights between the, the sex-craving husband and his, his uh, just kind of mean wife. Great. They were boring. They had nothing to do with anything. Uh, they just made me hate those two characters more and more because I was like, talk to each other a little bit. Huh? For him, if there's ever a scene where he was just like, why don't you ever want to have sex with me? And she was like, because you drink all the time. And he'd be like, oh, I can work on that. But that nothing. Just, nothing. Just nothing. Have sex with me. No. You're mean. You're a bastard. Cut. That's it. Print. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That so, is, it the, is terrible. It's so bad. It's just it's just mind-bogglingly bad. It's You can tell it's bad because Neil Breen isn't in those scenes. So, obviously, he doesn't have that much interest in them. No. How do you know we left two characters out of our description? The fucking psychotherapist and the other psychotherapist oh, in I a know. closet? There's, there, basically, there's a guy he talks to that is giving him his pills, and then there's someone he talks to that may or may not exist and might be a ghost that is his therapist as it, well. It may be the reason that he just crazily sits in a closet by himself for long periods of time. Who knows? I like the, the view of this movie that he didn't hack shit and he's just a crazy homeless person. Yes. That's that's the best way to look at this movie. I like I like to think of this movie as 
the dreams that he is having while he is dying from being hit by a car. These is these are his coma dreams. Yeah, this is him laying his head on a pillow made of concrete. Yep. <laughs> these are just butterflies. <laughs> uh, That's what this is. This is a this is a music video for Evenflow. Yep. Except that it lasts for another hour and a half after the after the music video is over. <laughs> Which uh, let's be clear, that'd be the best thing for that music, that that song. <laughs> if the music video for Even Flow was two hours long and the back half was just fucking fateful findings. <laughs> That'd be the best way to trick people into watching that. Like you just watch an Even Flow music video and then all of a sudden it just keeps going and it's this movie. <laughs> all right. I'm on board for that. Now I love the movie. Uh so the uh worst thing for you. The worst thing for me, I I have to go with the non-resolution of the the magic the fact that you introduce like weird ghosts superpowers a magic rock a uh, mushroom that turns into a treasure chest there's like weird ghosts in the desert a book that is magical in some way that is supposed to be super important and never discuss any of it there is no point where he's like oh i think it might be this or I'm pretty sure that whatever is happening, or let me talk to someone that figures something out, or anything. There is zero resolution of that. It's just weird bullshit that happens during the movie. Yep. <sighs> Pisses me off so much. Yep. <laughs> well, we might as well give this fucking thing its zero, huh? Well, let's go ahead and give our, our ratings of this. Jeff, what are you giving this movie? Zero. Not a film. Yay. Uh, I'm going to give it a point five. And the reason I will give it a point five is it did make me laugh. All right, it is. It was amusing enough at the beginning and end, and I en- <laughs> I just enjoyed about halfway through yelling at the TV as well. What the fuck are you doing? I'm going to be an ugly American here and point out that I would have given this movie a point five for every boob I would have seen. <laughs> as Good such, job. it gets zero, and may God have mercy on its soul. There you go. Point five for fateful findings. I'm going to give it that point five just so it it stays slightly above. The fucking thirteen, thirteen Franken Queen, which is still the worst. I don't think it's the only zero we've given yes. out, though. We have given out two zeros. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think there's at least one other. All right, so there you go. A point five out of ten. <laughs> Do is... not watch this. It is not so bad. It's good. It's just boring. Yeah, if you can find a YouTube clip of him getting hit by a car. You know, do yourself a favor and look at that. And here's the worst part. While this movie was playing, I looked up a preview for his next movie that has not come out yet, and it's obvious that he's gotten caught by that bug of, oh, you're famous, make a movie that's, you know, your movies, wink, wink. Huh. It's got, like, tigers and shit in it, and he's got a lot of extra characters all of a sudden. Like, he can afford more than five actors. Aw. So, Boo. He, he got he got caught by that bug, and all of his movies going forward won't even have the weird outsider quality anymore. Well, I think it's because uh, he's been trying to kickstart them. Yeah. And so enough people are like, oh, you're hilariously bad. Let's give you some money to make a movie. And now he's got too much money to make a bad movie. Yep. There's a point where competency starts happening whether you want it to or not. All right. So, there you go. That is our review of Fateful Findings. Uh, of course, if you liked what we do here, then uh, you can watch all of our, well, listen to all of our other shows. We've got more episodes of Movie Mastery, if this is where you started. We've got tons of episodes of System Mastery, our podcast where we review old RPGs. And of course, The Afterthought, where if you like all the digressions we make here, 
Boy, howdy, will you love that, because that's basically all it is. Yeah, and I'm sorry we're missing one of those right now, but you can probably already tell just from the way I'm talking that my voice has been fucked up and is getting slightly better. Yeah, uh, he got riggedy wrecked by a convention we went to by yelling a whole bunch. Hey, our table won loudest table. I regret nothing. Good job. Uh, and also, if you want to support us, you can, of course, go to our Patreon, uh, System Mastery on Patreon. Yeah, please do. We're near a goal of a new show. Oh, yeah. We can we can do some new stuff, some new content for all you people. And, of course, your support means we get to keep doing this. Yeah, so if you're already a Patreon subscriber, thanks so much. You're, you're the reason we can do these. You're also the reason there's no commercials, as far as I'm aware. I mean, granted, also because no one's ever offered. Well, yeah, but we also managed to upgrade the website so we aren't advertising there. Yeah. No, there's so, no, you know. Until such time as Lisa, the mattress store, or Warby Parker or something actually reaches yeah. out to us. Until I want to tell you what glasses to wear so you can see the mattress I want to sell you. <laughs> Curated box of snacks. <laughs> then, by God, we will be <laughs> commercial free because of our supporters. And if you have any questions or if you want to get a movie on our big list of movies, then you can go to uh, reddit.com slash r slash system mastery. Yeah, that's what it is. Slash exe. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> just just remember r slash system mastery. We've got the big list there. You can also uh, go to our website, systemmasterypodcast.com or, or send us an email at systemmastery at gmail. Dot net. Yes. <laughs> at juno.net. At sand.rr.com. <laughs> Man, whenever I see that sand.rr, I'm like, oh, you're some old person. You same don't know with, what's going on. Same thing with AOL, right? You see an AOL and you're like, ooh. Oh, man, I've still got my AOL address. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. I've had that since I was like 12. Nice. Uh, I mean, I have a yahoo.com one somewhere. Oh, I, I have the same name on AOL, Yahoo, Hotmail, Gmail, and at least one other one. I've got the same name on everything. Me too, for the most part. I'm fairly sure. I think my Yahoo one, though, is the name of an elf I was playing in D&D at the time. Oh, I actually have two AOL and two Yahoo accounts as well. You son of a bitch. Hey, folks, thanks so much. Thank you, and we will be back in a couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. <laughs> <laughs>